Today we're going to talk about I am the true vine. So I'm going to read the text today. We're going to read it together out of the New Living Translation. And it's a translation of the Bible, and it's new and living, and it's wonderful. I love the way it says it. So here we go. I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't bear fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit, so they will produce even more. You've already been pruned and purified by the message I've given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. <coughs> Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. <coughs> I absolutely love the way that sounds. Absolutely love it. I'm going to try today to try to demystify this teaching of Jesus. Um, Bill O'Reilly always says, I'm a simple man. I need a simple explanation. So I'm just going to say that we're simple people and we would like a simple explanation of what Jesus was talking about. Jesus was really explaining himself by calling attention to something that everybody in the first century, in first century Palestine knew. And that was a grape orchard, a grape vineyard. They, they knew exactly what it was. So, I'm going to start off with this one simple question. What is the purpose of a grapevine? Is it looks? Well, if, if you got a picture of a grape vineyard from somewhere in California, that's a really nice picture. But is that, is the, is that the purpose so some artist can draw it? No. Is it... Um, is is the purpose like a neat, orderly presentation? No. Is the purpose of a grapevine potential? You're just supposed to look and go, boy, that thing has potential. No. Is it diversity and variety of grapes? We love to celebrate that nowadays. So is that the purpose of a grapevine to show us how many different kind of grapes? No, no it's not. Is it something more practical like it prevents erosion? Anybody here familiar with kudzu? Uh, uh, when I was a kid growing up, uh, we, we always would go, in the summer, we would drive to Claremont Springs to there's an old hotel from the turn of the century, uh, the turn of the other century, and uh, they, they, had, they served Sunday lunch. It was just home cooking, everybody. They put it on the table and your family sat around and ate it. We did that quite often in the summer. And on the way, we would always, my dad would always say, looks like Kudzu Burns has been here. That's because there was a man in our county, and his, his name was uh, William Burns, and he's the first guy that planted kudzu in the county to stop erosion during 
the Great Depression, and it didn't stop erosion. It took over the county. And it's the one thing that has just about no use whatsoever except to climb pine trees and destroy them. And there is kudzu everywhere. It's, it's something that was native to Japan, and they brought it over here and thought it would work over here, and it just took over. I did see the other day at a, 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 an advertisement for a health food store that said ground kudzu, what it's good for. Probably not going there. <clears throat> no, the purpose of a grapevine is to produce grapes and to keep producing high-quality, good-tasting grapes over and over and over. Now, that's why the farmer wants to plant a grapevine. Not for looks, not for potential, not for erosion control. He wants to do it so we can have plenty of grapes so mama can make jam and jelly to go with her already incredible biscuits and butter. That is the reason. That's why we plant a grape vineyard. So let's get simple here. Why did Jesus say that our walk with God is like a grape orchard? Well, because he was talking about spiritual fruitfulness in a person's life. That's what he's talking about. This thing is not an, an, uh, a treatise on heaven and hell. This is not uh, trying to make a statement about anything, but one thing, it's called spiritual fruitfulness in a person's life. And what do we mean by fruitful? What do we mean spiritual fruitfulness? Some people would think that only means like winning souls. We're going to gather the harvest, win souls. And it certainly does mean winning souls. But it's a whole lot bigger than that. It actually means growing in every part of your life, in peace of mind, in good character, in moral values, in faith, in service, in relationships, in doing good things and winning people to God. But all for one reason, that we might let people see how abundantly incredible Jesus is. The purpose in spiritual fruitfulness is so people can look at us and say, wow, God is doing something good in that person. I wonder who their God is. What did that last verse say in verse 8? It said, when you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. That brings glory to my Father. That's, that's the whole purpose that he said this. I want you to bear much fruit. That's what he said. I want you to bear much fruit. That whole I am the vine teaching is about us being fruitful and as blessed as we can possibly be by God. It's about truly being a disciple, a follower, a learner of Jesus. It's about being a Christian. It's about being a believer. That's what this is about. You see from the text we read, there are three characters involved in his teaching about growing grapes, about bearing fruit. The first one, the vine. That's Jesus. He told us that. The second character, the gardener. He said that's God the Father. That's God. And the third, the branches. That's us. So I want to be simple today like Bill O'Reilly. And let's look at these characters one by one. And we're going to start in reverse order, okay? Simple. This will be easy to outline. Number one, the branches. According to Jesus, 
we are the branches. Now he was making the point, we're the branches on that vine and we're the ones he wants to be fruitful. The vine isn't fruitful, the branches of the vine are fruitful. It means that God wants the evidence that God really lives in us to show up in how we live our lives. He wants that to be like evidence. Evidence that God lives in you should be in the way we bear fruit, the way we live our lives. Jesus said another place, I've come that you might have life and have it in all its abundance. That means bearing much fruit. Uh, listen carefully, that is our reason for living. You want to know what your purpose in life is? It's to bear much fruit to God's glory. All kinds of fruit to God's glory. Now we got to get over this idea. Listen carefully. We got to get over this idea that surrendering our lives to God will be an unhappy, unsatisfying, unfulfilling, unpleasurable, boring, oppressive, missing out on all the fun existence. That is a lie. I'm calling that lie out right now. There are a lot of people that feel that way. A lot of it's because they've been told that religion and bearing fruit are the same thing. And they're going, I don't want. If bearing fruit is what I is, is going through the little church order all the time, I'm done with that. I, 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 people say all the time, hey, look, I went to church when I was a kid. I got plenty of it when I was a kid. I, I was made to go every Sunday. I'm not going to do that. I got all I need. And they have no idea what abundant life is. They have no idea what abundant life is. It's probably our fault because we hadn't shown them what it looks like. The very best, happiest, most fulfilling, most satisfying, most loving, adventurous, supernatural, blessed life of freedom and joy is our Creator's wish for every person who comes to Him. Do you believe me? Do you really believe that that's what God wants for you? Or do you really believe God wants you to be a religious stick in the mud? He doesn't. He wants life to be exhilarating, incredible. That's what his goal is. Do you remember Jeremiah 29, 11? This happens to be half of the people in America's favorite verse. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. That doesn't sound boring and unadventurous to me. And yet people feel like it is. And I, we got to get over that real quick. We got to get over that God really wants to make us unhappy. Holy and unhappy. No such thing as holy and unhappy. Okay. Now, we're still simple here. In this simple teaching, we notice that he mentioned two kinds of branches. He mentioned a branch that bears no fruit. He did. He said, if the branch is bearing no fruit, it gets cut off and it withers away and it gets thrown in the fire. So that's one kind of branch. That's the branch that has no evidence in it whatsoever that Jesus is there. Hello? That's the person that may claim to be religious, but they have no evidence whatsoever that there's fruit growing in them. None. There is no fruit. The Bible says it gets cut off. But he says there's another kind of branch. It's the branch that gets pruning so it can up its ability to bear fruit. So that it can bear more fruit. So those are the two kinds of branches he mentioned. Real simple. Jesus said the one that has no fruit gets cut off, gets thrown away. 
it's, it's, the reason is, is it's not fulfilling its purpose. Why should a branch be there with little leaves and little pretties on it, but it's not doing a blasted thing? There's no evidence that bearing fruit is there. So just get rid of it and let that energy go somewhere else. Every farmer knows that. It gets discarded if it's not doing anything, duh. Every farmer would do that. But the other kind of branch is the one that needs pruning. Not cut back, not cut off. Y'all don't understand pruning is cutting back, not cutting off. So it will not bear a little fruit, but it'll bear a lot of fruit. Our purpose is to bear much fruit. So whenever we're fading, we're struggling about walking with God and the fruit output in our life has gotten a little weird, you know what God wants to do? He wants to prune us. And we think that means God is mad and wants to hurt us and wants to destroy us. He, look, we see him coming at us with a knife and we go, ah, he's going to cut me off. I'm gone. And God's just going, no, I would like to increase your ability to bear fruit. So whenever we're fading and struggling and having a hard time, that's when the role of the second character shows up. And that is the gardener. Jesus said the gardener is his father, God. God's the gardener. When it comes to bearing spiritual fruit, God is the one, you got to hear this, he is the expert in pruning. He has the expertise. He knows how to prune. He knows what to cut off and what to leave in place. He knows what hinders us. He knows what motivates us. He knows what uh, gets in the way and needs to be cut away so that we can better fulfill the reason God put us here. God knows me. God knows me. And he is such an expert. He can look at me in a moment's time and tell what I need to cut off from my life and what I need to cut back in my life and what I need to be taken away from myself so that I'll no longer have a roadblock or a hindrance. God knows that. He is a brilliant gardener. The gardener is the brains behind this whole operation. Right? This is God's plant. He's the brains behind it. Now, a fake gardener, a fake gardener, that's scary, an unskilled pruner could come and kill the whole plant, just like a fake doctor or a fake surgeon or an unskilled surgeon is not the one you want to go to. He might make a mistake, and he may look at a struggling branch and call it a worthless branch and cut it off, but our Master gardener knows the difference. He does. A fake gardener will mess things up, but a real gardener, the one who knows his stuff, will always do what's best for that branch. He won't make that mistake. This weekend, uh, this master's commission team, this is part of them here, uh, went on a retreat, an overnight retreat. Actually, it was one that we planned like two days ahead of time. We felt the Lord said, go on a retreat. So we did. And God opened up this door for this place to go. It was beautiful, great weather. And it was for one reason, to encounter God. It was simply, it wasn't to fellowship, it was to encounter God. Time to encounter God. An encounter God time. It was incredible. Um, uh, one of the things that I mentioned, I mentioned the Bible says that Jacob, Jacob uh, is the guy that, well, you've read him in the scripture. His name means deceiver, liar. And the Bible tells us that one time Jacob sent his family, his possessions across the Jabbok River, 
And he remained, the Bible said, alone. And he met God and wrestled him. And I asked the question, I'm going to ask you this question. Have you ever been alone with God? I mean truly alone with God? Have you ever really been alone with God? We, we, we do our devotionals oftentimes with all of our paraphernalia. God, I'm going to get alone with you and I'm going to be listening to Bethel. And I'm going to listen to Bethel music and then Bethel becomes the one speaking to you. No, no, no. Have you ever taken the earphones off and maybe thrown the book aside and maybe said, it's me. Have we ever really spent time alone with God? Or do we come with our presuppositions and our prayer list? It's like going to a job interview where you have a, 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 a resume. You know how you go and you hope they hire you and you got your resume and you're going to go, bah, there's, there's, this is what I think I can do for this company. Have you ever just come to God and said, hello? In this event that happened in Jacob's life, the Bible says that Jacob was alone. He wrestled with God and God said, what's your name? And for the first time, Jacob admitted what his name was to God. What's your name? Liar. <laughs> he admitted it to God because he was alone with God and he didn't have anything else around him telling him something else. And as a result, God could work with him. God gave him a new name that day. It's amazing how getting alone and encountering God can change us. Folks, that's part of what pruning is. Pruning is when we find out from the master gardener what's up. And we can't find out what's up when we go with all of our stuff. Already, we already decided what's up. Um, Amber Gaddis, uh, one of my incredible staff members, she preached Friday night on, she called it 11 things that God will never say. 11 things you will never hear God say. And I'm going to have to get her to preach all 11 to you someday. But her first one was this. I'm going to rob her of her first one. She told me it's okay. You will never hear God say, oops. Think about that. You will never say God, hear God say, oops. You know why? He's the master pruner. He's the master gardener. He is not going to make a mistake with your life. For us to go to God and say, okay, God, you can do whatever you want. You can prune whatever you want. You're not going to say, oh, gosh, I hope he doesn't make a mistake. When I, was a, when, I lived, uh, when I was a kid, lived in Ashland, we had one, basically two barbers. One was for younger people and one was for older people. And the barber, uh, one time he was um, cutting my hair, and all of a sudden I felt this awful sharp pain on my earlobe, and yes, he had just clipped through my earlobe. And um, he said, oops. I, he said, oops, and then he said, let me go get a styptic pencil. Anybody remember styptic pencils? <laughs> yes. Uh, blood Clot Incorporated. Well, it was bleeding, bleeding a lot. It was all over the little cape, you know, blood all over the cape. I'm sure the next guy didn't want to use the cape. And I remember he had to, hold, he had to pinch my earlobe forever just to, you know, get it to clot and, and quit bleeding. I mean, the main, bar, the main barber I went to, his name was Shotgun. Now, what? That was his name. His name was Shotgun Giddens. What, what do you expect from a barber named Shotgun? You know? God, I, as a young man, <laughs> as a young man, I never had my ears pierced, but I did have my earlobe sliced by a barber named Shotgun. He's a great guy, but he cut my earlobe, okay? 
Our Father is the master gardener. He knows more about us than we know about ourselves. Would you agree? He knows more. He knows everything. He knows everything about us, and he knows exactly what we can do to make us better and make us more fruitful. Last week, a fellow that was here visiting with us, Dr. Lee, he made a statement that I just, when he said it, I just went, whoa, I got to camp on this for a moment. He said, God, and he was thinking about our, our sinful nature. He was thinking about our, our mistakes and all of our past and all of our present and stuff we struggle with. And he, says, he said, you know what? God knows everything about me, everything. And I'm thinking, oh. He knows every thought that goes through my mind, and he doesn't have one evil thought toward me. I just had to, I had to think about that. God knows everything about me, and he still has not one evil thought about me. Not one evil thought toward me. He's the master pruner. He knows us better than we know us. And he's for us, not against us. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. We got to get over the idea that somehow if we surrender to the gardener, he's going to hurt us. He's going to embarrass us. He's going to shame us. He's going to put us in a place we don't want to be and make us do stuff we don't want to do. We just have to let him do it. Now, in the Bible text, the branches are like plant matter, you know? And I know branches don't have brains that go, hello, Master Gardener, you may prune me, you know? The branch is, is just a dumb plant. But God says we are the branches. And so I remember that God made me in his own image. So he just given me a brain and he's given me a will. And I want to tell you, God will not prune that until we give him permission. I'm telling you the truth. God will not force his pruning on you. He will not. He won't. He wants you to say, I'm ready. Yes, God, I surrender. I give. God, I'll put all my tools down. Go for it. We've got to do that. We've got to give him that kind of permission. Not because he couldn't, it's not that he couldn't take permission if he did. He just has chosen to, to look at our free will as the invitation and the door. In the real world, we have minds. And God has given us the ability to make choices. And it's our choice to let the gardener prune us or not. Now, um, I've never been a real fan of going to the dentist. I think it was because the dentist we grew up with in Ashland sort of hurt. And so I've never just been a real fan of going to the dentist. And so as a grown adult with two children, I was going to a dentist locally. And uh, the dentist was real nice and said, uh, I'm going to do so-and-so, and if it hurts, let me know. Well... I thought he meant what he said. And so as he was hurting me, and it was hurting a lot, and I started going, ah, 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 ah. And he didn't stop. And I was going, ah, ah, ah. And he didn't stop, so I just pushed him. <laughs> that does not make a dentist happy. So the next time, you know, six months later, whatever, I went to the dentist. I, I, they put me in the room, and they set my chart down, and I read what was written on my chart. 
difficult patient. And I want to tell you something. I, I, I said, hey, I didn't realize I was the difficult patient. And the nurse goes, you aren't supposed to see that. Well, I used my ability to have free will, and I chose a different dentist. <laughs> we have the ability sometimes to say, yeah, you can do this, and no, you can't. In our lives, we understand that. Folks, it's the same way with God. You have the ability to tell God, God, no, leave me alone. I want to do it my way. You have the ability to do that, and you also have the ability to get what's coming to you when that happens. It's the truth. It's, it's the law of consequences. If we say, God, I love you, but I'm not going to submit to you. God, I want to be in the center of you where, your will, but I don't want you to help me get there. You're not going to end up in the center of God's will. Listen, take my advice, please. Invite the one who made you, who knows you better than you know yourself, to prune anything that will hinder you from bearing good fruit. Sometimes I see things in my life that need to be cut out of my life. Sometimes I don't see them, but God does. Like worry. Wor worry. I remember one time when I said, I'm so worried about so-and-so. And this person, this person younger than me, less experienced than me, not theological like I was, looked at me and says, worry's a sin. And I <laughs> Worry, fear, doubt. Sometimes God has to get the knife and, and show us where it is and say, let me cut that out of you. Why? So we'll bear more fruit. Perhaps it's a habit that's bringing me to destruction or a relationship that's dragging me down or hind and hindering me. Prune it, God. I invite you. Prune it. Perhaps it's my critical spirit or a sin that I refuse to give up. Prune it, God. Cut it out of me. I let it go. Perhaps it's an idol that I've raised up in my life. Something that's taken too much of my time or my life energy away. Prune it, God. Kill it. Take it from me so I can't, won't be hindered from being in the center of your will. That's got to be our heart. We can't say, Lord, I want your perfect will in my life and then refuse the pruning process. Pruning is the only, uh, listen, listen. Pruning is the only way to keep a struggling branch from dying. If you're struggling, this is, this is, this is our, our tendency. God, I'm struggling. Don't lay anything else, homie. God, I'm struggling. I just, need to, I just need to think through this to be able to understand all this. You're not going to understand it. And God's not going to give you more than you can handle so when you're struggling, the best thing to do is say, oh, God, I'm struggling. Help me. Whatever you want to do. Instead of, God, don't lay anything on me. Don't resist pruning. I want my prayer to be what David's was in Psalm 139. I love this. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me to the way everlasting. That will keep you in the center of God's will. That'll keep you knowing the, the master gardener by name. There's nothing to fear in the pruning knife of the master gardener. But there's one more thing Jesus reveals in the passage. He introduces himself as the vine. Let me read verse 4 and 5 again. Remain in me and I will remain in you. 
For a branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine. You cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus declared, he's the vine. Now, I'm a simple man. I need a simple explanation. Duh. There is no fruit that can be made on a branch if the branch is not connected to the vine. Not one grape can be formed and developed without the life juice that flows through the vine into the branch. The vine is indispensable. It's the only thing that has to be there. All the pruning work of the Father, all the fruit-bearing work of the branches, they're all dependent on the life that's in the vine. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He conquered death and resurrection. He is qualified uniquely to be the authority on life. He gives spiritual life to the branches, and that's us. Do you notice that Jesus said, I am the true vine? He said, I am the true vine. Let me explain why he said that. In the Old Testament, the people of Israel, the Jews, were referred to as God's planting, God's grapevine that he planted. Several times in the Old Testament, we're, we're, we see the Jews and, the, and God's people represented by a grapevine. And he keeps saying, this is a grapevine the gardener has tended and done everything he could, but it's not producing any fruit. That's because there's only life in the vine, not in religion. The Jews looked at religion as their lifeblood. And Jesus came to say, I'm the true vine. You've been looking in, in, at the temple and all the law of Moses for your life. I am the life. God is your life, not your rules, not your regulations. There's no fruitfulness without a relationship with God. For me to say Jesus is the only way is an understatement. <laughs> Everything revolves around him. Notice that he plainly uses this phrase, remain in me. King James, it says, abide in me. Remain in me. Five times in this little group of eight uh, verses, he says, remain in me. Remain has to do with the constant connection we have with God, with the giver of life. I have an absolutely incredible first cousin. He's a couple of years older than I am three years older than I am. He lives in Childersburg. He was a star quarterback back in high school. He played football at Auburn in the early 70s. He, uh, he became a teacher, uh, teaching in high school. He was a coach, and then he became an economics teacher. And then he was diagnosed with Lou Gehrig's disease. Um, Lee is today... I think he has lived longer than any person in the United States on, with Lou Gehrig's disease. He uh, teaches college using only his eyes and a computer. Um, and he's on a ventilator. You know what a ventilator is? It breathes for you. Has been for years. Life flows from Jesus to us like air flows to Lee on a ventilator. It is a requirement that that ventilator be plugged up in there. They live every day of their life knowing that ventilator has to be working right because it can't go bad and you call the repairman to fix it tomorrow. 
if the electricity goes off, there has to be a backup unit to make sure the ventilator keeps going. It's a requirement. As believers, there's one requirement we have, and that is the life of Jesus flowing in us. So how important is your relationship with Jesus? I want to ask the question, how important is your relationship with Jesus? Once a year, Easter, Christmas, once a week? Let me ask you, how important is Lee Carpenter's ventilator? That's how important Jesus wants to be to you. That's how important your relationship with God needs to be. How important is air and water to our physical bodies? It is important every day. That's why Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. Here's the question of the day. We gotta ask ourselves. Question one, am I fruitful? Am I fruitful? I mean, ask yourself the question, am I fruitful? Am I bearing fruit? Am I really doing what God put me on this earth for? Do people look at me and say, there is an incredible picture of Jesus? <laughs> do, do they look at me and wonder what kind of God I serve? Am I fruitful? Okay, I got question number two. Am I willing to let the master gardener prune me? There's some things that I know that are hindering me from being what God has planned in my life and I'm going to hold on to them. Have I given him the right to cut off that which doesn't belong? I heard the other day about a father who had a drinking problem in, in a Christian home, and he told his son, he goes, well, this is just the one sin I'm going to have. Everybody gets to have a few. This is the one I'm going to have. <laughs> but don't you do it, but this is the one I'm going to have. When the son grows up and looks at dad and says, I think I'm going to have that one too. start understanding how pruning is important. Am I willing to let the master gardener prune me? Now those two things that I've told you have to do with that branch that either is not bearing a lot of fruit or maybe the branch doesn't want to be pruned. But I want to ask another question because I don't know who might be in this room. I'm going to ask, do you have the life of God in you at all? Are you connected to the vine? I, there may be some people here that you don't even understand fruit yet because you, you're not even connected to the vine. You haven't really become a believer. And you may be searching for Jesus. And I want to tell you that he hasn't already cut you off. He is offering you today to be grafted onto the vine. He said that in the scripture, that he grafts people to the vine. I want you to know today, if you don't know Jesus, you can come to the vine today. And guess what'll happen? You'll start bearing fruit because the life that flows in you and out that branch will bear much fruit. Is there life of God in me? You have to ask yourself. Have I ever begun a relationship with Jesus? Is he still alive in me? Am I spiritually alive? Am I in a slow death spiral? Spiritual faith that's dimming on a daily basis. 
today's your day. You can get connected to the vine today. You can invite his pruning in your life today. You can surrender him to him today. And you can begin bearing fruit today. You can find today the reason God made you. Because he is the vine. I'm going to ask everyone, if you will, to come and st uh, to stand up first. If everybody would just stand, stand to your feet. I'm going to ask prayer team members, if you will come and just join us at the front here. Prayer team members, if you will, just uh, scatter across the front here. I want to. I want to say to you today. If you realize bearing fruit, I've suddenly realized I'm not bearing fruit. And you want somebody just to agree with you. God would help you, show you that you'll surrender yourself to the master gardener. Somebody can pray with you about that. Perhaps that's, this is the time you could even, right where you are, say, God, I've, I surrender my life to be pruned. But I especially want to say to those of you that might think that you are not connected to the vine, Maybe you don't know if you're connected to the vine, or maybe you feel like you're in a slow death spiral. These guys that stand here at the front, they would love to make sure you leave this place connected to the vine, and it's not hard. So I'm going to ask, as, um, as our worship team just begins to sing, if you want to come and pray with somebody at this, this front, they're waiting on you. But I don't want you to be in a hurry to leave. I want you to at least, right where you are, whatever measure of surrender to the master gardener you need, I'm going to ask you to do that so the vine can have its way in your life. Would you, would you come on? I invite you. Come and step. Somebody right now needs to pray. Come on, step. Step forward. Come on. Don't be afraid. of people who are connected to the vine today and we're all over the board as far as our measure of fruitfulness and God there's something inside of us that's crying out Lord I want to bear fruit so Lord I ask you to listen to our prayer I'm gonna I'm gonna
quote a prayer, and I'm going to ask you if you'll repeat this after me, if this is what your heart's praying. Okay, here we go. Master Gardener, come prune my life that I may bear fruit abundantly. I'm not afraid of you. I welcome your pruning. I surrender to you as the master gardener so that I may bear fruit. Now, Lord, you heard that prayer. And for those people, they prayed it with their hearts. I ask you this week to show them the things that you're pruning. And they will cooperate. Lord, we will all cooperate with you so that we may bear more fruit.